What will the Cardinals roster look like in 2023? I'll tell you what, it's going to look different. You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in Locked On Cardinals. Alex Clancy here. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Please go like, subscribe, turn the notifications on over on YouTube as well. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. The Arizona Cardinals roster will look very different in 2023. Front office, different. Coaching staff, different. What is next with free agency looming? You've heard me talk plenty about this, about the Cardinals trading back, accumulating draft capital. What are the Cardinals going to do with Byron Murphy and Zach Allen in free agency? Are they going to bring over James Bradbury? Is this going to be Philadelphia Eagles West with Jonathan Gannon coming over? I'm getting my buddy on today. He used to write for the Cardinals. Knows them better than many in the Valley. Mr. Kyle Odegaard. Dude, thanks for coming back. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, how's everything going? All good here. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So a lot has happened since we've talked last. Uh, I think I had you on before the season started last year. Um, first off, Jonathan Gannon et al., Monty Austin-Fort et al. What, would you, what grade would you give Michael Bidwell for what he's done with the front office and coaching staff so far? Easy ones incomplete since we can't see anything yet, but right. it obviously wasn't a perfect hiring cycle. Like they didn't get the GM that Michael Bidwell wanted. Who knows exactly what happened with Sean Payton, but it certainly feels like Sean Payton passed on the Cardinals. Um, so could Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin for work out? Sure. And I do like the early returns. I like what they're saying, but the proof will be out there in the next couple seasons. Um, but they didn't get the exact candidates they wanted, I don't think, for either spot. So uh, I guess a C would be my grade for now. I mean, I think it's better than what we saw in 2022. Kyle Odegaard at Kyle underscore Odegaard from Compare.bet. He did a mock draft 2.0. I mean, how many mock drafts are you going to do before the draft? Are you going to be 14.0 over there at Compare.bet? Like, how many can you do? Without your Come brain on, just turning I've only into done mush. two, and we're already in early March. I think I'm pacing myself quite well. Yeah, pacing early is easy. I mean, once you get closer to it with the different options. Uh, yeah. But but I understand. We'll talk about that in the second segment here. Free agency-wise, Byron Murphy, Zach Allen are two hot-button names. Neither of them were franchise-tagged, obviously, as that deadline is passed. Byron Murphy has shown two Pro Bowl halves of the last two seasons before getting injured, and then the, the wheels falling off last year with the Cardinals. Zach Allen came in last year, and he played like a player in his contract year. It's not an original story. If you're to pick one to retain, is it Byron Murphy or is it Zach Allen if you're the Cardinals? That is a good question. I think Byron Murphy has a longer track record. Um, I think I've seen more highs out of Byron Murphy. So you're right. Zach Allen played really well last year. It was one season of productivity. Does that mean he was healthy and ready to take off? Maybe. Um, and I think – is Byron Murphy's back injury a true concern? Was it more like I'm not playing because I'm hitting free agency and our team's going nowhere? I don't know the severity of it or 
know, what's going on there. But all things being equal, I think I would take Byron because I do think that he's a, an above average slot corner. He can play outside in a pinch if you need him to. I think he's a valuable player. I haven't seen that as long with Zach Allen, so I'm a little reticent to give him, you know, big money. I think I'd lean toward Byron. Yeah, and it's interesting because especially with my foot in the ground, the Cardinals must trade back to accumulate future draft capital where they can trade back and draft a Christian Gonzalez, draft a Devin Witherspoon. Like Byron Murphy has been on an island since his rookie year with Patrick Peterson getting popped for PEDs for the first six weeks and then never really regaining form. Like he's kind of been by himself. And that's one of the positions, as you very well know, Steve Kime just forgot to add talent to year in, year in, year in, year out. And I feel like with more of a strength foundation, he could flourish where maybe he won't be the CB1, but I, I just still don't think he's going to garner CB1 money. It's interesting. I said Zach Allen just because it's going to cost a little bit less and he may be able to help the run stuffing, help the pass rush uh, in, in more of immediate fashion. Now, there are five untouchables that I talked about yesterday for the Cardinals roster. And Zach Allen was one of them. I brought up Zach Ertz and James Conner as well, because I feel like even though cutting them post June 1st would add about $10 million worth of worth of cap space, those two guys have kind of become de facto lifelong Arizona Cardinals, like immediately, like they're in the culture. James Conner has been one of the most productive running backs we've seen when healthy over the last two seasons. Do you think that they're going to be Arizona Cardinals come week one of 2023? Or is this going to be a full-on tabula rasa clean slate, Arizona Cardinals in name only? I think those two will be here. I think they're, like you said, they might save a little bit of money if you post-June won it, but then you're just paying more two years from now. And I don't think you want to push a bunch of dead money onto 2024. So I don't love James Conner. I think if he had a cuttable contract, I'd cut him, but he doesn't. They gave him basically a two-year guaranteed deal, and it's going to be hard to get off of that. Same thing with Zach Ertz. I think Steve Kime overpaid for both of those guys last year, and it's going to be hard to release them. So I think I think they're staying. I think if you look at, obviously, D-Hop, he seems to be gone. The interesting one to me is DJ Humphreys. Like if, if you believe Josh Jones can play left tackle – DJ Humphreys is a, a solid left tackle that you can get something for on, on the trade market. You can save some money. If you're trying to tear this all down, maybe it's more than just D-Hop. And to me, Humphreys is the natural one to trade as well. Do you think that if DeAndre Hopkins and Hollywood Brown paid, played meaningful snaps together last year, that this would be a non-story and that he'd be running it back? Or do you think this was inevitable regardless because with Kyler Murray going down and them having a high draft pick, it's time to just reset? Yeah, I think we, we had one game, I believe, with them together against the Chargers, and they looked pretty good against the Chargers on offense. So it's the big question. I, would Cliff be here if those two guys were on the field yeah, together or if Kyler didn't get hurt? Um, but I think where you're at right now, it certainly feels like they're going to really rebuild this thing, tear it down, and it makes sense. I mean, you've got a lot of roster holes they have the second longest odds to win the Super Bowl. Only the Texans are longer. Like you can think of a lot of bad teams and everybody but Houston is above the Cardinals. So from an unbiased perspective, nobody thinks they're going to be good. And obviously Kyler will miss games. So it makes sense to, to kind of tear it down. It would have been great to see Hollywood and, and DeAndre together. And I'm still kind of wondering, like, if you don't get 
an early second round pick, if you don't get a late first, could you bring it back and just see what it looks like? Probably not, but that's kind of my hope. Yeah, that was my biggest fear going into last season was they wouldn't play. I mean, that's just because it's for the football fan and everybody. Like, imagine those two lining up together. Now, I I, I need to ask this, and as I titled this podcast, the Cardinals roster is going to look very different in 2023. This hodgepodge of a first thing with all these names coming and going, it's like this could be, again, Arizona Cardinals in name only moving forward as the Arizona Cardinals 2.0, you know, just chapter uh, is upon us. Is Hollywood Brown – they already exercised the option. He's going to make under 15 mil this year. Like if he puts up okay numbers and Kyler Murray plays half the year, are they going to pay him $20 million a year for the next contract? Like, let me ask you this. Is there worth in potentially shopping Hollywood Brown also? Like how far down do we need to go here watching the Cardinals as they just, you know, unravel everything that Steve Kime did? Yeah, it's such a tough sell because you just – and I realized Monty Austin Ford did not give up the first-round pick for right. Hollywood Brown. And Michael Bidwell was here when it happened, and would he let you trade Hollywood Brown for a lot less than you just gave up for him a year ago? The optics would be bad. I thought Hollywood Brown played well. I think uh, I think he's a 1B. I don't think he's a number one receiver, but I, don't th- I think he's better than a two. I think he can give you 1,000 yards. I liked what I saw from him. I would keep him in build. He's young. He's got potential. He could be a nice high-end number two for you. I don't love him being your number one if they trade Hopkins. I don't think the wider receiver core will be that good if that happens. But um, I don't. I think that's a bit too far. I think you need to keep some of your young guys. Hollywood Brown, somebody I would keep. Agreed. And I think one of the only positives as we pivot towards the draft is one, one of the only positives to the Cardinals – doing what you know what happened in 2022 was Hollywood Brown doesn't have any real leverage to get a contract extension this season just like DK Metcalf, AJ Brown and Debo Samuel did all of whom share the same agent that's like one of the only upsides that came out of last season Kyle Odegaard from compare.bet joining me here on Locked on Cardinals what the hell are the Cardinals going to do in the draft are they going to trade down are they going to stick and pick with a potential transcendent uh uh, Talon and Will Anderson. We'll talk about it next. Locked on Cardinals fan duel. Uh, listen, midway point of the NBA season, it has come and gone. We're in like the home stretch before the six month playoff run, it seems. It's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Kyle Odegaard of Compare.Bet joining me here, Locked On Cardinals. Oh, man. Roll for the Cardinals for a long time. You've, it must be interesting to still be kind of at a bird's eye view from when you were on the ground for so long. Um, it, I mean, just for you quickly, before we move to the draft, is there like a, oh, finally now we can heal kind of situation with Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury gone? Or is this just a different avatar of the same organization? No, I think it it definitely feels like that. It just, I mean, it felt 
borderline toxic there at the end. And there was just so many stories and so much tension and a lot was going on in that environment for a while. So I think it, it does make people take a deep breath and we'll see how it goes with this new group. But to me, it's like refreshing to hear Jonathan Gannon talk and Monty Austin Fort talk. And it's, it's new guys with coming in with optimism and it feels like the fan base is a little bit more excited now. I think, when those NFLPA report cards came out, it, it brought a dose of pessimism because you realize that Michael Bidwell is a big part of this thing. And if your facilities aren't up to par, that's going to affect your product. Other things are going to affect your product from an owner perspective. So you've got that to deal with. Um, but yeah, from a GM and coach perspective, I think definitely it feels like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I said it, the Cardinals have hit rock bottom and that's the best possible thing that could happen. They cannot move any further backwards. And this isn't like a, oh, it's the Cardinals, don't tempt me. There is zero backsliding that can happen from what we've seen really over the last 20 months now. It's been nonstop incessancy of a 24-7 news cycle of not-so-great Arizona Cardinals news. So moving towards the draft, the... Future is bright. The Cardinals now with Anthony Richardson really becoming a, a force in this draft. Trading back from number three, in my opinion, at least, seems like the only move because the Cardinals don't deserve to draft at number three overall. They, they One player is not going to help them. And what you did, and I look back, and Jody Ayler from Fox Sports 910, one of my former associates, also had the Cardinals trading back to number nine with Carolina. And you had the Cardinals trading back from number nine to number nine, getting a first rounder in 2024, and then getting number 61 this year, which I think is the perfect scenario to stay in the top 10, get a player of consequence this season, stack another pick in the second round, and then have another probably top 15 pick for next season. How did you land on this package trading back to Carolina in your mock draft most recent one? Yeah, well, I had um, the Colts moving up to number two and the Texans moving up to one. So I think, obviously, those two teams, the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Falcons, those are like the five to watch. Um, and it makes the most sense that Houston and Indy will be up there because they're the closest to the top of the draft board. Right. So it's just a matter of would the Colts move up to three? Will they stay at four? And if they're not moving, if they're not pushing for the Cardinals pick, which of the other three teams – Maybe it's it's foolish, but I saw Cam Newton dominate a lot with Carolina, and Anthony Richardson kind of has some of those parallels with what he does. Obviously, as an owner who wasn't really there for the Cam Newton prime, but a lot of people probably in that building or around them remember Cam Newton and how dominant he was. So to me, it makes sense. I think the Falcons are definitely another team that would be interested. I still feel like the Raiders and Will Levis make sense because – the Raiders love strong arm guys. So right. that's a natural pairing to me at, at seven and they can just wait for him probably. Um, so, I, you know, next mock draft 3.0 would probably not be the Panthers, but as it stands, I think Carolina does make sense to, to go up to three. So say those two teams do move up to one and two, do you see a world where the Cardinals just stick and pick and draft Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? If things like, listen, when news come out like this, six weeks before the draft or a month before the draft, it's not as potent as it is Laramie Tunseling 10 minutes before the first pick is made. So like, do you see Jalen Carter, Will Anderson going to the Cardinals at three as a real viable option? 
I don't think Jalen Carter will go to them at three. I could see a, a trade down and then Jalen Carter lower, but if, if Will Anderson is on the board, I could definitely see Will Anderson still going. I mean, he's a premium edge rusher and you just look back to like Nick Bosa in the Kyler Murray draft, you went number two, you got a guy who's a dominant edge rusher and you got him under market value for five seasons. Like that's super valuable. And you're right. They have a lot of holes, but if you can get a premier edge rusher on a rookie deal, it's still a really good value. And then you can, you can make it work and try to address the other holes in different ways. So I understand trading down and obviously I did it in the recent mock draft, but I definitely think Will Anderson is a, a very viable option at number three because he's so good. And because he plays a premium position. Get you out of here on this, Kyle Odegaard, a compare.bet. You are Monty Austin Ford in the draft room. Will Anderson is there at three in the April draft. And you get offers to trade down for the exact package that, that, that you mocked. Which is the better move for the Arizona Cardinals for the next, say, three or four seasons? Like, Kyler Murray's contract, what's the best move for this team? I think two or three weeks ago, I would have said take Will Anderson. I've kind of shifted my thinking i i follow analytics a lot and i've read a couple articles on how the draft is a crapshoot the draft is a crapshoot even though you think will anderson is a can't miss generational prospect he might not be nick bosa and if he's not then it hurts you so if you have like you said two first round picks um next season that maybe both are in the top 10 and you have the number nine and you add a second like more bites at the apple to me is a good thing. You mentioned how many holes there are on this roster. I think it's a very tough call and I could totally understand taking Will Anderson at three and I could totally understand moving down and collecting another more draft capital. If you get blown away by an offer from a team that wants a quarterback, I think it's an easy decision, but if it's borderline like that, either way is fine with me. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to hot take it either way because I understand the rationale on both sides. Sure. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's a win-win no matter what. And like, sorry, I just blacked out. Like if the Cardinals trade back and get 61, they have their second pick. Maybe they get a second for DeAndre Hopkins. There's nothing to say that they don't trade back in the first round and get another first rounder with two out of those three second round picks. Like trading back opens up opportunities. And that's something the Cardinals haven't had over the last five seasons. They just haven't, you know, Steve Kimes made bad decisions. They've kind of hamstrung themselves. And now the world is their oyster. Yeah, like, I mean, like you said, if you if you have number nine and then you have three second rounders and next year you have two first rounders, like you're acquiring premium draft picks and the draft has been such an issue for so long and we've seen it in this roster. I mean, they, they signed some high-priced vets that worked out, but then when guys broke down and got injured, it all fell apart and you need to rebuild it through the draft. Kyler Murray's going to get expensive, um, so you need cheaper guys around him. I think... I think accumulating draft picks is never a bad plan. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I mean, and this is either going to, there's no safety net. It seems like with the Cardinals organization now, like it's young, it's a first time GM. This is a high wire act without a safety net. So it's either going to be incredible or it's going to be exactly where we were a minute before Monty Ossiford and Jonathan Gannon got hired. Kyle Odegaard compared to bet one of the best minds in Phoenix covering. I mean, now covering all the NFL, you'll always be, the red bearded brethren for me covering the Cardinals. Really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Yeah. That was Kyle Odegaard. Uh, coming up next, I'm just pretty much going to recap what we discussed because there were a lot of nuggets in there that I think um, are going to be fascinating. I'll talk about that next. Locked on Cardinals.
All right, final segment, Locked On Cardinals. Alex Clancy here. That was Kyle Odegaard. Uh, really, really interesting stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. So Kyle said a couple interesting things. He would choose Byron Murphy over Zach Allen if you're going to choose one. And I understand that. He is kind of split with the trade back or, or, or stick and pick. Because with the trade being, you know, the draft being such a crapshoot, it makes sense. Like, there's no such thing as a sure thing. Even if your favorite pundit out there is saying that this person is a sure thing, we have no idea. So with the cliche, getting more bites at the apple, if the Cardinals can accumulate draft capital in the first and second round for this year and next year, that's how you rebuild a roster. And what the Cardinals have needed to, to do over the last handful of years, but they've just been prolonging it, is build the roster organically. Build the roster as winning organizations do. And that's through the draft with timely free agent signings. That's how you do it. Talent, you know, being good talent evaluators, drafting those talented players, coaching those talented draft, you know, those players in the draft to make them solid slash Pro Bowl NFL players, and then add, I mean, potentially high-end free agents, add veterans to build out a roster that is not only deep, but sustainable. The Cardinals history of putting band-aids over cracks in the foundation has got to you know them to where they are right now and that's why even though yeah drafting will Anderson potentially transcendent talent absolutely and if it works out and they draft them fantastic but if you're able to get another first round pick especially from a team like Carolina where they're going to be a top 15 pick next year plus a second rounder this year to trade back six spots. And I, I didn't mention this because I was excited just about the trade back. Kyle, in his in his mock draft, he, he has the Cardinals taking tackle Paris Johnson out of Ohio State. If you don't protect Kyle Murray, none of this is going to work. I will go back to that. So all in all, what Kyle discussed is kind of, you know, a lot of what I've talked about with you. This roster is going to be different. This team is going to look very different. This season, especially if Kyler Murray misses a lot of time, is going to be like, it's not going to be a loss. And that's a very clear distinction that needs to be made. This year, it's not about win-loss. It's about culture shift. This year is about cohesion. This year is about player development. This year is about making the Arizona Cardinals a stable organization. And if they win some games, great. But again, I always go back to what to Dan Campbell in Detroit. Nobody cares about the win-loss record the last two seasons for Detroit. Everybody cares about what Dan Campbell is starting to do with that organization. Now, in year three, sure, win-loss is going to be a lot more, a lot more heavily weighted. But if you tell me that the these Detroit Lions from 2022 are even close to any year that we've gotten up until this point with that organization, I'd say hooey fish. Alex Nancy locked on Cardinals. 2023 is about stability building. 2023 is about the culture shift. 2023 is about Jonathan Gannon planting his roots and building a team with the best opportunity to win for the future. So trading back could be the best catalyst, the best jet fuel in an effort to set the Cardinals up for success in the future. 
while focusing on 2023 and their ability to start to build out a stable roster with a good culture in an effort to change the trajectory of this organization forever. Alex Lance, you locked on Cardinals. I'll talk to you tomorrow.